because a lot of people overlook that. Like in the matchups, so it's very evident. Like, okay, this card killed me. It's not as, oh, I drew bad or this deck as a whole is bad. No, this card is the problem. Off the top, he's done the math. Oh, he sends it in. Draws, extends the hand. There it is. John Pickle wins. What's going on? He can't attack. Is he did? Oh, oh, that cost no. him the game. Oh, that cost him no. the game. What Come is on, on top of the deck? What is on top of the deck? Oh, it's lightning helix. Oh my god. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of Cued the Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Egerton, and here with me is Mr. Matthew Dimitruk. Hello. And Sean Hughes. How are you doing? Good. How's it going, man? So we are back again for another week. We just had two standard Grand Prix this weekend in Brussels and Orlando. And as we mentioned last week, the RPTQ is in two weeks exactly today. Um, actually, when this comes out, it'll be Monday, so a little less than two weeks. So... Um, it is now crunch time officially for RPTQ and LCQ uh, testing. So have you guys uh, been jamming leagues and stuff? I've been jamming a few. I've been testing mostly because I've been streaming typically when I play. So I've been testing more off the wall things, uh, various Nexus builds, blue Mono Blue Storm. I saw Corey Bowmaster play a blue red storm list. So I'll probably test that out pretty soon. But mostly I, I don't enjoy playing on stream the more grindy like mono green decks so those are the ones i'm gonna test one-on-one eventually and see i've, I've been streaming and uh, testing a lot of the green matchups so that's what i've yeah. been testing mainly so that's the difference between interesting people and boring people <laughs> that's the difference between a winner and somebody who wants to take it like not serious so so mono green are you guys liking mono green right now uh in the beginning i did but like with the emergence is, of this turbo fog deck it's kind of risky it's kind of yeah <laughs> some people are saying that if green's gonna survive it has to switch its splash to blue yeah, so. no, the, the blue splash helps against Turbo Fog, but it also makes you weaker a little bit because you can't run Scrap Heap Scroungers and Hour of Glories to stop Scarab Gods and things like that. Yeah. No. I mean, maybe it's just getting hit out now. Um, there were zero copies in either top eight in both events. So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those decks you need to test against and you need to be ready for because... Yeah, people, people will be playing Yeah, it. kids are going to love turn two Steely Champions and you will die to them. So yeah. you have to make sure you're ready for that, but... Um, if you're going into a tournament, especially a big tournament where you can't afford a lot of losses then or draws and things like that, then you just have to see if you if you can't find a way to make your Nexus of Fate matchups or your control matchups consistent without hurting your other matchups, then you might not be the deck for you. Did y'all see the uh, red white take flight deck on at the GP? I can say no, I did not. No, it ran like uh, Phoenixes and Lyras and Dragons and all these angels and everything. It was undefeated at five and zero oh when it was on its camera. So I don't know how it ended up, but it looked interesting. Well, I, <laughs> it, it, I did not see it in the top eight. So. No, it did not top eight, but yeah. it was very interesting. <laughs> the standard environment, I'm actually really liking it right now. I'm kind of sad that it's you know not long for this world with yeah. rotation coming. But that's also so lots good. of viable decks. Yeah, I so. mean rotation is going to bring a whole new meta. So I mean, yeah, it's going to be a lot of new decks. It will at first. I just hope it lasts. The problem, yeah, so. that's the problem. Is right now we have so many cards in the format yeah. um, that really the reason standard's been so frustrating is Kaladesh is so powerful, and so it's really hard to overcome all the Kaladesh cards. But now that we have so many cards in the format, um, Kaladesh's power level is still there, but you have other options because you just have this gluttony of choices. Um, so whenever we rotate, we'll go back down to a smaller number of decks to choose from, and that'll be unfortunate. We're losing Kaladesh and all the Amonkhet uh, gods, so that'll be, thank, thank be a shakeup for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready for Scarab God to go away. I'm but definitely ready for Scarab God to go away, but I'm ready for Glorybringer to go away. That card, yeah. I'm ready for that to go. Glorybringer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glorybringer, Chandra. 
yeah uh hazard like there's some really powerful stuff that's gonna go away yeah well phoenix and chain are still there but yeah all their buddies are gone i mean you can veraska's contempt those guys instead of just immediately getting hit in the mouth with a dragon Yeah, yeah that's fair so anyway we had some people on uh twitter we mentioned this briefly last week that we were going to be sharing our testing spreadsheet this is like our google spreadsheet that we were going to be using to compile all of our results for the upcoming RPTQ and LCQ. So yeah, Sean was kind enough to code it for us. Um, do you want to jump on into it, Sean? Explain yeah. how it works. Yeah. So um, in my, I'm, I'm an education profession. So in my profession, I'm obsessed with data and the results. And so I really love spreadsheets. They're something I enjoy making. So I created a Google spreadsheet. And what it's going to do is uh, whenever you open the link, you will open up as only a view only. So you have to file and make a copy because we're not going to share our exact list. Eventually we will make a list that we'll share with, you know, contributors to the show and things like that. But for now, you'll make a copy and you can share with your team. It's going to give you a couple different tabs. The first tab that you need after the introduction is going to be um, an overview tab. And this will be a spot for you to get a snapshot of how your testing is going. It'll auto-populate everything. So everything's auto-populated when possible. So it's going to auto-populate your wins, losses, and draws with each deck. It's going to auto-populate your win percentages with each deck. And then there's going to be a spot over to the right for you to keep track of who's testing what at, at various times. Um, and then inside the actual deck lists that are also tabs, you'll keep your most current updated list. It's going to have a total win loss at the top. Scrolling down, you'll have the major archetype opponents and you'll just input your wins, your losses, the list you're currently running, notes on how it went. Um, and it'll give you results for versus that deck or results for the deck as a whole. And on the overview, you get results for every deck that you've been testing. And this way you can kind of get, even if your team's not all on the same list, you don't have the same play styles, you're all just kind of working together to test the format as thoroughly as possible. This is the kind of thing you'd want to do for a pro tour. And it's all fairly well populated. On the main opening page, you'll have some instructions and also have a link to a video I made that kind of walks you through the process as well as my Twitter handle if you have questions or you need help adjusting something. Because if you adjust the auto population fields where there's zeros, like your win-loss fields, then it'll end up uh, messing up the formula. So you want to make sure that you watch the video and you understand sheets or if you need help, you shoot me a message and I'll help you I'll reformat it for whatever your needs are. Yeah, I watched the video you made, the how-to video, and it was super helpful. So I feel like this is a much more efficient way to test with multiple people. Um, in the past, how we've used to do it is just be like, hey, I ran a league and I did this. Uh, then you're depending like, on word of mouth. You know, yeah. you don't actually see what's happening or see the results or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like I've tested a lot in the past and I don't use this kind of thing all the time, but if I have a serious event coming up, I like to use something like this. If I have a team to get together, or even my own results, um, because the problem with the other format of testing is if you're not recording it anywhere, you're, you're going to make the same issues. You're going to test the same flawed list. You're not going to learn your lessons. So it kind of explains in the video, like you'll post each list for each thing. Some people won't want to do that because they don't want to take the time. The reason you want to post your list every match you play is this way you can see where you've adjusted your list in the past so you know that you're not making the same adjustments you've already tried before. It's really, this form is ideal if you're starting right when a new set comes out and you're using this to test for the whole lifespan of that standard format, which is about three to four months, and you can get the best information. And if you share it out, you know maybe I don't want to test mono green or I haven't been testing mono green. I'm still getting information on it because teammate Matt over here has been testing mono green. So I get to see his win losses versus each deck. I get to give him feedback and I can actually see his list without having to just hope I get accurate information. 
It's also interesting to see how um, when somebody starts testing on a deck and versus how, you know, they end it a few weeks later, how their sideboards um, audit a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you get to see like their thought process on the meta shifting and things like that and see if you agree with it or you can give them input on things that they may not have seen. So. Yeah. And a couple of cool components that I didn't put in the video were that in the um, matchups, when you're inputting your matchups, where it says opponent, you're typically going to put your opponents either if you're testing online, their handle or if you're testing in paper and you're recording your notes during matches, their name, because then you can actually use this form to go back and especially at local PPTQs, find the decks that people have been playing recently by just control finding or finding in form and seeing what the last time you have their name registered, what deck they were on. Um, and it won't, it won't can be all, it's not always, you know, sometimes people will shift decks, but it'll give you a little bit of an edge if you can have the chance to look it up before you go to your table. I also like the little tab that says cards that beat you because a lot of people overlook that. Like in the matchups, so it's very evident. Like, okay, this card killed me. It's not as, oh, I drew bad or this deck as a whole is bad. No, this card is the problem. Like I like that. So. Right. And and that's where, you know, choosing your team and choosing to be involved in the team, it, you have to have some discretion to it about how serious you're taking it because a lot of people are going to put in that column, I got mana screwed, mm -hmm. I got mana flooded. And I mentioned it in the video and I have an exaggerated ratio in the first page of like that should only be one in a hundred matches where you put that. Um, unless you are notably getting hosed or mulliganing, there should be something to beat you, right? right? If you didn't cast a single card, you mulligan to four, you didn't get a, a second land, then sure, that's that's part of it. But even in those situations, you can be like, well, you know, I, I kept, I got stuck on one land, but, you know. Why'd you keep that this, hand? Why'd you, why'd you keep a hand? Or, or that you just go like, I got stuck on one land, I died in four turns because my opponent turned to Steel Leaf Champion. So then your note is Steel Leaf Champion killed me whenever I stumbled on mana. Yeah, see, and so that's important. Variance beating you is such a, a novice excuse. It's either mm -hmm. people who don't want to admit either they kept the wrong hand or they played wrong, or maybe they don't want to admit that the deck that beat them is a card that they overlooked or things like that. Right. And so that's, you know, unless you, you mulligan into oblivion and you actually made no other decisions, then that's one thing. But if you kept a six or a seven and you say you got mana screwed, you should probably take note of the hand you kept because that might have been a hand you shouldn't have kept. Right. So your note might not be my opponent played a card to beat me. Your note might be I kept this opening seven it didn't work um, for whatever reason. And so you want to really look and critique and find why you made that mistake. So you need to make sure that everyone on the team is equally contributing and not trying to hide, you know, poor results. Or, you know, make sure you ha have people on your team that you trust to test and they're not just piggybacking off of your information and, and second guessing you not testing themselves. That's a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. And some people are okay with that. But for me personally, I don't want to do the work. And then someone else get, especially at local tournaments like RPTQs. I mean, how mad would you be if you do all this work you log 60 matches in with your red black deck. Your friend gets on the form, logs zero decks, picks up, you know, blue white, builds a deck that beats red black based off the information you give and then beats you and get in you know, on the top eight. And so now they're going to the pro tour and you're like, you contributed zero deck, zero cards. And the, yeah. in the conversation, they're like, yeah, man, your you, you know your notes in that form really helped me decide like, my sideboard. It's like yeah. cheating off of somebody's homework. Yeah, know? it's pretty much exactly what that is. Yeah, when you, when you put in your notes, what cards beat you in this matchup every time you lost to blue white, I used it to make sure I didn't decide more correct incorrectly. Yeah. Okay, so choose well, wisely when you're asking somebody to test with you, make sure that they're going to be able to actually run leagues and stuff yeah. like that. If they're so not going to contribute to the run form, leagues, they run matches, the just, you know, they don't even have to run leagues on uh, Moto. They can test in paper, but make sure they keep an accurate count of what they played against, what they lost, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That is, that is something like, there's no, this doesn't have to just be Moto testing. Like it can just be paper, even mm -hmm. proxy testing. If, you don't have access to all of these different decks in the format. You can just get together with your friends and just jam the decks against each other. Yeah, so. there's some great proxy websites. There's one I used to use. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it'll give you where one deck is a gauntlet deck. 
And so basically it's prints out instead of having the text of the cards, you have to know what the cards are, have access to the internet. But instead of printing out the text of the card, it just prints off the name. And so deck A is this deck, deck B is this deck, deck C is this deck, and it's all inside one set of sleeves. And so you only have one gauntlet deck that you really need to carry around. So on the, I can't remember, on your spreadsheet, did you have it to where you could create a brand new deck list tab, or is there just specific deck list tabs up right now? Yeah, so there's there's a specific set of tabs, um, and then there's a blank template. And so you would just right-click that one and make a new duplicate copy and adjust one of them. The difference is, and it explains in the video, that you'll have to go through and um, input a new form or new auto population cells for the, uh, for that on your, on your overview page. But if you don't, if you duplicate the page itself, it should be fine. The only things you're gonna have to really adjust is if you make a new deck, you have to adjust the overview page. And if you make a new versus component where like you want to add, you know, Esper or mono red to your results matches, as opposed to putting it under the all other column, you're going to have to augment how you get your totals at the top. And see, that's also a really good idea because if your team comes up with a deck that nobody knows about and you want to keep it quiet, you can put it on your spreadsheet and be like, okay, cool. Here's our results as a team for this deck. Do we mm-hmm. want to move on this? Yeah. And if, if you aren't that great at doing spreadsheets, just tweet Sean and he'll help you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can, you can direct tweet me or you can tweet me overall and I'll uh, send me a message and I'll, I'll get on there. It's, I'll yeah. check it more far more often than I check YouTube. So some people might message on YouTube and I'll try to get to those as fast as possible. But if you message me directly on Twitter, I can, even if I, I'll either walk you through doing it or if you let me know what you want, I can adjust a form and send you the new form that's just for your group. Yeah. So right now it's laid out with the top uh, six decks in standard and they're grouped by archetype, not necessarily specific deck lists. So like blue white control can be blue white or esper or if you if you prefer to do that way you can also make a new tab if you'd like if you want to separate you can make a new tab Uh, if you want a new versus column you can do that or you can just log results against blue white or esper you have a blue white slot if you want to log esper separately you just put under the other column and there's an archetype slot for the other column that's not on the other ones yeah so like we said uh, we'll, we'll be posting a link to this in both the show notes and we'll also tweet out a link you can share it with anybody, and if you make changes, for those who aren't familiar with Google Spreadsheets, you can make changes, and it'll automatically update it on the cloud for all of your teammates to look at. Yeah, so you can all be um, editing it simultaneously, yeah, and it, you can get great. on it from your phone. It's great. Yeah, it's like an Excel spreadsheet, but you know, live updates. So, yeah. And the auto-population fields are really nice, because yeah. you'll get percentages on the homepage and be able to just, even though it doesn't give you the details, like the individual deck tabs are where you get your details. But if you're just trying to look at the snapshot of the format to decide what you should be doing, you can go to the overview tab and you'll get a really good snapshot. Just using it so far, it's been extremely efficient. Like I, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. I, I feel like it should really give us an accurate sense of the data. So. It's a little visually daunting. So the video, yeah. I think, is a really good thing. To the look video through. is what helped me. Yeah, like just looking at it, I was a little confused at first because um, I think originally I looked at it and I didn't realize... Um, where you list the results it it wasn't i didn't scroll down far enough to see that you have to find the deck you played against first and then mm. put it in that mm. column yeah um and uh once once i watched the video though I, everything was cleared up the video was very informative so okay so what what are the best ways to test like what's an efficient way to test how are, how are we going to be doing it let's uh let's walk through that real quick well first off is select the group that you want to be testing with so yes. like, once you get that figured out then you get, you can have people volunteer to run different decks or you could each run the same decks and get different ideas. Yeah. yeah I, your group's going to kind of depend on you as a person, right? So some people I know, they're willing to test with people who don't necessarily contribute as much. They just, 
they're more worried about having this aspect with their friends. Other people I know, if you don't contribute, they don't want to give you deck lists. They don't want to help you out because they feel like it's you're basically just stealing their work. You don't want to be a leech. Mm -hmm. so. Right. So you want to make sure that everybody in your group is on the same page about what's acceptable and what's not. Um, if you have people who aren't um, contributing to the form, maybe you need to make a new form without them involved. Um, if that's something that bothers you, if it doesn't bother you, then that's fine. Um, but you want to make sure some of the big things are, and you have to make it clear, is you need people to contribute. Otherwise, they're not they're not you know, making the form any better. A bunch of names on the form that don't add any content doesn't help. You need to make sure it's people whose play quality is a quality you respect. That doesn't necessarily mean they have to be the best player. doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be a bad player, but somebody who you think is going to contribute, and it's not just... I mean, as much as it stinks, this is a form for you to try to get to the Pro Tour. Yes. Right? You can have friends who aren't very good, and you're okay with it, and you'll test with them. But for this form, if you have somebody who you know 05s every league they play, do you really want them to put their results in, right? Because then whatever deck that they're testing, it, that that result is going to be skewed negatively um, just because of that aspect. Um, at the same time, if you have a player who's notably better than you, you need to take what their results are with a grain of salt because, you know, especially a complicated deck like Nexus or Control, if you're not up to their play level and their results are really good on it and yours are average, you might want to pick a different deck. Um, and the last thing is you need to make sure that your playtesting group is honest. It's going to be really easy on here for you to say, well, I don't want people to pick on me or make fun of me for my bad results. This form should be a safe document, which is you shouldn't make fun of your friends if they log at an 05 league because then they're not going to keep logging their information and you can get something out of that information, right? So even if you go 05 or you don't do well or one in four or two and three, um, you should still make sure that you're logging it, logging why, what were the events, what happened, give me the actual information and not really making fun of the person for the loss because you don't want them to stop contributing because they might have some information about why the deck struggles that you won't get in your testing. Maybe you don't play against Mono Green because Mono Green's on the down tick and they go you know, one four and all their losses are to Mono Green and that's an important thing to know. Yeah, there, there is no bad information when it comes to this. I mean, there's negative variance and positive variance, but there's no bad information. Either right. way, you learn from it. Right. And oftentimes it helps to with everyone that's going to be on this forum, start up either a like Facebook message group or uh, I know a lot of people in Europe use WhatsApp. So start a just a little chat group to go alongside this. You guys can discuss the results, uh, let everyone know when you update it, stuff like that. Yeah. So. You, you also can't take this, you know, as an ego boost. You know, if yes. you outperform somebody in your group, <laughs> you can't be like, oh, well. I'm clearly doing better. This makes me the best player in our group. So you should listen. You can't do that. You yeah. This like form has to be in a vacuum. Yeah. And I mean that, and uh, also kind of like we were saying about having the chat, that's why you want to have ideally you're going to update the list, even though it takes a little bit more time at the bottom because say, you know, Brad's been testing Esper control for the last three weeks and he has results and I haven't been testing it. So I decide to jump on the Esper control bandwagon Well, I can look at his old lists. And if I have an idea of a card, I think might be good in the deck. And I can see that a week ago you had it in your deck and this week you took it out of your deck. Instead of me wasting your time playing a league with the card and figuring out why on my own, I can message you about it. If I don't agree, I can still test it and, get, and we can have communication, but I get to see what you're putting in your deck. And also, if we're really trying to help each other get to the Pro Tour, say I don't win the LCQ, because this is one of the RPTQs I haven't qualified for, I can still contribute to the data form and I can test the decks. And even if Brad is testing a deck that I'm not going to be on, I can still discuss cards with him because mental magic is very valuable about why you're making certain decisions because players have biases and it helps us be able to discuss those biases and remove them early um, as far as why we're running certain cards. So so like we said, this is what we're going to be using to test for the RPTQ and the LCQ as well. The Not everyone on our team has queued for the RPTQ, but the LCQ is still important as well. It is also a standard event, so everyone can just test together and it's uh, we just help each other out. But 
for those who aren't going to be doing either, if you're wondering if this is applicable to you at all, this form can be modified for all kinds of different formats. If you want to do this for modern, you can. Mm -hmm. You'll probably need quite a few more tabs, but yeah, it's you can do it for any type of testing. And it's real easy to go in and just change the name of the decks. So you don't even have to do any types of reformatting. It's pretty easy to figure out, but if you do need help, like like we said, you can just tweet Sean and he'd be happy to help you. Yeah, we'll probably be doing this for modern eventually too. And when standard, the new standard comes around, I'm more so looking forward to that, I think. Yeah, than, that's yeah. going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you can also test this as spoiler season's going. You can have the decks that survive um, post-rotation and then you can start adding in spoiler cards as you get them and testing those, but those are in paper form since you won't be able to get it onto them online. Um, and this way, you know, the set drops, you know, about a week or two after spoilers are rolling. And so you can actually have some entry information on cards. This is how you get cards like Sphinx's Revelation for $4. Whenever mm, Sphinx's yeah. Revelation first came out, it's because you're testing yeah. the card as it gets spoiled. And you're like, this card is crushing right. in my Bonfire testing. Bonfire of the Dam. Yeah. Yeah. There's cards that just that start off super cheap. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, this card would be insane. Well, if you were testing in advance and keeping results, then you would see that, okay, well, we know we don't know the whole format, but every time I sleeve up, this Sphinx's Revelation deck, I'm crushing. So this card is nuts. And so you want to keep up with that information. Yeah. Uh, I know this is going to be super helpful, super helpful for us going forward. So um, thank you, Sean, for for making this. Uh, looks super professional, man. Awesome. No problem. Good job. I, I'm nerdily <laughs> obsessed with uh, Excel sheets. I, I love data too. And yeah. I've, I have not made a Google Doc yet. I just have made my own Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. And they're not as... Uh, in depth in the um, formulas. I'm like, obsessed with auto populate. So, like, whenever you click an, awesome. whenever you type in something and auto populates, easy. you're like, oh, yeah. I'm a wizard. Look at me go. <laughs> yeah. Well, like we said, like we mentioned last week, I think you said this, Sean. Uh, you said we usually don't do enough testing. The amount of testing that is required to actually make the pro tour, um, I feel like I I fall short in that area a lot. But having tools like these, the more numbers, the more data you can get and look at and analyze and not just hard numbers like looking at the notes like the <laughs> cards that beat you just i want to look at that for like 15 games in a row and just see what common trends are i feel yeah. like that's going to be super helpful right and um, i mean so say you don't get to test very often you play one or two leagues a week that's not a lot of testing you're not getting a lot of information so you, while your mechanics might not be advancing if five of you get on and do one to two leagues a week now you have five to ten leagues worth of data that's 25 to 50 games that you've yeah. logged as a team in one week and so that's it's not as ideal as you testing nonstop. You're not improving as much, but you're getting to at least know the deck lists so you can make the best deck decisions. And then you're just hoping that you're testing correctly on your skill set. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, jump back into standard a little bit. Um, like we said, it's it's crunch time. So we're we're testing right now and we have some, some new data to look at. We have uh, 16 top eight lists between these two Grand Prix today. Uh, GP Brussels and uh, GP Orlando. So let's just, um, I've got all the lists right here just so we can look, kind of look at what decks top aided. Uh, Brussels, we had one Sultai God Pharaoh gift deck, three Esper Control, a Turbo Fog, a Red Black Aggro, Sultai Midrange, and just a straight mono red deck. I think they were playing the Scrap Heap Splash. And then in Orlando, we had, it was, it was actually fairly diverse in Orlando. We had uh, one Esper, one Blue White Control. We had a Flame of Keld uh, style mono red deck. And then one just normal red-black mid-range, two Grixis mid-range, a blue-black mid-range, and then a, one snake deck, actually. So um, of note, we had only one Turbo Fog deck in all of these lists. So yep. 
you guys thinking that's a sign so, that it's kind of I mean no. all hype or I don't I don't think that it's all hype. It was one of the more represented decks in the field. Like play, I've played the deck online a little bit, and the engine feels very very strong when you get your matchups. But against control, it can get a little tough and a little grindy. So if control was everywhere in a big deck, then maybe the fog decks had a problem. You know, yeah. maybe people metagamed for it. It's it's a couple of different aspects of it. Like the the frog did better at the pro tour, but decks at the pro tour don't always translate to decks in real life because you can kind of gauge the pro tour metagame a little bit better. Um, it was also not a known quantity at the pro tour, so the pro players didn't really necessarily know how to play against it all the time. Um, and so you you're gonna have a few issues like that. Your fog list if controls ticking up, you can't be like some of the lists with very few counter magic cards in your seventy five. You're gonna need to have more of the Raphael Levy list where you have eight counter spells and four carnage tyrants in your sideboard to really pressure these that's controls. the deck that stopped me today yeah like uh i ran a league with esper control and i played one match against uh bent turbo fog and game one i just stomped him like it was Mine. it was so easy game two and game three or no it was just game two yeah game two and game three sorry they felt completely unwinnable because yeah. if i was worried about nexus i was getting carnage tyrant if yeah. i was trying to cast my Vizier of, of many faces to deal with his Carnage Tyrant, then I had to worry about Nexus of Fate. He's just, they're attacking from so many different angles and they've got Jace's defeat, they've got Negates. It's just, it's it feels like a very bad matchup yeah. post-board. And that's so. where testing the deck, so if you identify that cards that you're losing to are Nexus of Fate and Carnage Tyrant, then if you're playing Esper or Blue-Black Control, your decision is probably to bring in Doomfalls because yeah. if they don't have a Carnage Tyrant in play, you get to steal a Nexus of Fate. If they have a Carnage Tyrant pay, play, they normally don't have extra creatures, so you can exile the Carnage Tyrant without having to actually target it. And and usually they're Doomfall tapped out. Probably we'll play it. Yeah. yeah. Doomfall's a good idea, actually. Yeah, so it's... I'd have to try that. And that's where tracking what cards are feeding <laughs> you help you out. Yeah, yes. A lot of people would say Lost Legacy. I think Doomfall is the far superior yeah. Well, option. yeah. I mean, Lost Legacy is super important for whenever the Nexus of Fate decks go looping. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of whether or not you can fit it because it's so bad against most of the rest of the field. Yep. You have to be able to deal with both Carnage Tyrant and, I, I, and a lot of decks don't even just run Carnage Tyrant. They're also running Nezahal. Like yeah, the guy yeah. I played against today had Nezahal. And I was at one point, I think it was game three, he had uh, both Carnage Tyrant and Nezahal. <laughs> and he was, had like three negates in hand. It was just... Yeah. And that's where winning game one is really important because then yeah. if you see those kinds of things come in. you don't win game one, in, it's over. <laughs> yeah, because if you, if you see those things come in and you lose game two to them, then you know maybe I want some of my Fumigates to stay in, just like a couple as like yeah. a safety trap. Um, you, you know, it's just, there's there's small yeah. like variances to it, but that's why you have to keep track of which cards are beating you in the current lists so you can adjust accordingly. But the Turbo yeah. Fog list overall, I just, yeah, it's really complicated to play. There's a lot of trigger things that are, are kind of complicated. Um, I feel like I would just be so slow. Yeah, uh, your time is very much a concern, yeah. and so you, you you know that's that's another part is. And I, I heard there were a lot of turbo fog lists in Orlando, um, and so a lot of those matches are going to end up drawing themselves out. And so if unless they're really efficient on their playing and keeping track of turns, especially in the mirror matches, because what's awkward is in the mirror match if I go at the end of your turn I try to cast a Nexus of Fate and you respond casting a Nexus of Fate, then you get to take a turn, then I take two turns. So if you start casting more Nexus of Fates, we have to remember that I still have two turns on the stack once you stop taking turns, unless you win. <laughs> yep. And so like, there's like this weird, these weird interactions. That's super um, confusing. Nexus of Fate being an instance really complicated yeah. <laughs> because then in response to other Nexus of Fates, you get to Nexus. It's, it's, so, it's so messy. And so oh, you, if you have seven man open, but they also have seven man open, now you can't tap down all the way down. You need to be able to counter their Nexus of Fate in response to your Nexus of Fate. Like, there's all these layers, and so I think it's one of those things that's going to take people time to learn, 
And if they're trying to learn in big tournaments, they're going to get run over by better players as they learn. So, yeah. And going back to what you said about the, the Fumigate. So I feel like blue white would probably actually be better about better against turbo fog than no, Esper. Access to settle. Esper right now is more of blue black splash to fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't have access to fumigate typically, uh, which makes it harder to deal with carnage tyrant. Yeah. Well, you want to, uh, you, you want to play fall though. Yeah. You, you can do fall, but you want to have fumigate over settle just because if they go carnage tyrant, carnage tyrant, then if they're smart, they're only attacking with one of them. Yeah. And so you want to make sure that you're having, uh, having a way to sweep two and they can't just have one in play. So this way, if they play another one, they have to take a turn off to play the next one. I think Esper doesn't have either. They just—I think they have like twelve or thirteen white sources. So yeah, then they want it. Straight blue white has both. Right. So uh, I feel like that might—I don't know. I'm gonna have to test both. Well, I think Esper's we'll main way to deal with it is Doomfall, or some uh, versions run Commit to Memory, and they Vizier. commit the card. Well, right Vizier. now they're running Vizier of, of many well, they, faces. They can't com- They can commit it while they it's on the stack. Commit it on the stack. That's, that's it. The, yeah, yeah, that's the way yeah. they deal with it. And so that's, they did. Anyway. Yeah, and that's yeah. not what you really necessarily want to be doing. The upside is blue black can also yeah. put together some blockers. In the form of like a scarab god, I can chump you with Glint Sleep Siphoner, then bring it back and then block with both. Like there's these works, but you're having to really work for it. So mm-hmm. that's why the card's good. Yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough card to deal with. Yeah. And if you are going to play Turbo Fog, consider running four Carnage Tyrants because those are they they help your matchup against uh, Esper quite a bit. Yeah, they were designed from so. what I remember. They were designed by a control player to be control decks. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's they, interesting. They gave a, this guy who I can't remember what his name is, but he works for Wizards and. The guy who designed it uh, historically has always been a control player. And so they're like, we want you to design a card for green that beats control for us. And so he's like, I got you. And so he came back with this carnage time. That's what they were saying on some coverage. And so I don't remember. Did he name. know Settle the Wreckage was in the format? I have no clue. <laughs> I just know that they, they told him to build a card to beat his favorite archetype. And he's like, I can do was, that. Was it Paul Cheon? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't him. Oh, man. So other than that, uh, as far as what decks look, put up the best uh, results... Uh, between both events, I, I would say the Esper and the Blue White decks both did fairly well. Yeah, the Control decks did very well this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Esper just completely dominated in Europe in Brussels. Uh, Control tends to be just super popular in Europe for whatever reason, yeah. though. And there's two Control lists in Orlando, but mid range looks like it's what did the best: two Grixis mid range and a blue black mid range. Yeah, so. and it's. I mean, it's worth noting if you think the format's ticking towards control. Previously, I'd been saying that I'm a big fan of uh, the Mono Blue Storm decks. They're not very good against control decks because you you have very few cards that matter, so that's just all they have to counter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you think the format's ticking towards heavy control, you probably don't want to be on Storm. If you think it's going to be more like the U.S. results, where it's mid-range decks that can grind through Nexus of Fate decks and not as many control decks, then Storm's really good against those decks. So you just kind of have to watch what the results are online and. And get as much information as you can off that. They do a pretty good job online, like on MTG Goldfish or all the 5-0 lists. They do a pretty good job of masking like multiple lists that are 5-0 because they have to be different, right? They have right. to be 10, 15 cards different. Yeah, you have to have, I think, a 10-card so difference. It, yeah, so it's, it's, it's hard to gauge what decks are actually 5-0-ing and consistent. You know, it's just every day it seems like the same thing's 5-0-ing every single day. So you're just like, I don't know what's the big deck right now. Right. Yeah, that's what they were hoping for because mm-hmm. they they were thinking a lot of the problems with the bands and stuff were because formats were getting broken too fast. So they said if we limit how many decks, how much information we give away, and then it, it becomes a little bit harder to gauge that. So before before this weekend, a lot of people would say red black aggro was the best deck, but after testing it a little bit, if Esper is going to be going to be pretty prevalent, and a lot of people are going to be on at this RPTQ, 
I don't know how I'm feeling about just straight up red block aggro. The versions that run Heart of Karen and mainboard Glorybringers and fewer Hazarets. Brad Nelson said it when he played it at the Pro Tour. He said that Esper Control is red black aggro's worst matchup by far. And I've played both sides of it. And it feels miserable as a red black player. Like, they just have so many answers. They played four, four Gear Hulks and four Veraskis Contempts. Is, are the key cards there. Yeah. Like they just have, have Veraskis Contempts for days. Yeah. Like, and, and Teferi. It's just like, uh, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> like you can look at my, um, uh, the spreadsheet today. I was logging it. I, I made a few notes. Uh, the reason I beat Lord Black and the reason I lost to Esper. Uh, it's the same time. Gear Hulk, Teferi, Contempt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah. Those are, by, those are the key cards in, in, the, in that matchup. So, I don't know. I'm kind of off red black right now, honestly, for the RPTQ. I'm I'm really not feeling it right now. I'm not saying, uh, like I said, everyone, I've been playing Hazard decks for the last year. I don't know if I'm off Hazard, though. Um, Honestly, just straight up mono red is looking better again. The Flame of Kel version? Either one. I'm going to test both. There's that one. There's the Wizard Shell. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so I think it's it's one of those things where you you can, you want to save that information because say you decide red black is best against everything but blue black or esper right and yeah. so you're you're good against everything else well the reason we're tracking those cards on that form is that now we know okay well we know our bad matchup is this and we know it's these cards so what sideboard cards do i need to improve that and it's probably speed because those cards are slow mm-hmm. so yeah. you want to make sure your sideboard for the control matchup people bring in duresses and lost legacies and those might have some merit but uh, maybe instead of those cards you want to just board out some more expensive stuff for faster more aggressive cards and that could be an option yeah no i, th- I think you you, you hit the nail on the head right there. I think it is speed. That's kind of why I'm thinking this straight mono, well, not straight mono red. It's the mono red version just splashing for scrap heap scrounger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot lower to the ground, a lot faster. They're running on crop crashers, uh, four hazards. It's just, it can, it kind of floods the board a lot earlier, takes the pressure off your bigger creatures because if you pressure their life total enough, they're having to contempt your your Urshaker Kenras or your Scroungers. And by the time Hazard hits the board or Phoenix or Chandra, uh, they've already used like, you know, two contempts. Right. So that's something um, I'll need to test for sure. But And so that's where like if, you, if you're testing and you think the format's shifting to blue-black, well, we said earlier blue-black doesn't really run settle. So these board states that pressure decks without settle are good. Yeah. But if you think this, this format, for, you know, shifting to blue-white, then that deck's not right because you're playing into settle. Yeah. So, you know, that's where you just want to track those results, track what cards are beating you. Because I guarantee you, if you run that mono red version, every time you play against blue light, the card you're going to write down is Settle the Wreckage. Yep. Well, the best card against Settle the Wreckage is Chandra. If they if they settle uh, during combat, that's just a free Chandra following yeah. turn. Oh, yeah. I don't even care if they settle. Settle's an easy card to beat as a red player. Mm-hmm. It's these freaking four gear hulks and four contempts. That's just insane to deal with. Right. So I'm thinking I need, I need to be a little bit lower to the ground. So that's where I'm at right now in testing. So we'll... It remains to be seen where it goes from there. So, I don't know. What, what are you guys leaning for as far as what you're thinking you may run at the LCQ? Mono green is what I've been testing. I don't, like I said, I don't know if I want to run it now with the Bant Turbo Fog list everywhere. If I don't think there's going to be a lot of Bant Turbo Fog, then green's probably still a pretty strong choice. Uh, just because, you know, you go real big, real fast, and Vine Mare is really good against the control decks so if you can stick it on turn three or four. Um, still leave champion on turn two, still pretty strong against them, especially if you get to untap with a blossoming defense backup. 
So, I mean, Vinder seems really solid against Esper, especially. Yeah. I mean, if you stick they it, a, they can counter it, but if you stick yeah. it, it's very hard for them to deal Player, with. Yeah. You just got to get through their essence scatters. Right. Um, they have a problem with hexproof creatures. As well, I've they said they also have a problem with like the turn two steel leaves. Like, if they don't have a way to kill it right there and you untap with blossoming defense, they're probably going to just die because yeah. you're all you have to do is swing with that for four turns and you win. There's a bit of a, of a gap in the removal of Esper. Like, they have Fatal Push and they have Contempts, and usually they're running like one cast down to cover everything in between that. Right. Um, so, ideally, they want to be ca- playing cast down against your, your Steel Leaf Champion, but most of them are playing like one copy. Yeah. So, if you hit that on turn two they, they're going to get smacked with it twice before they're able to contempt it and by then you have another one or maybe even a galta right See, so. that deck is like all about the data if you expect a lot of like the bant deck or you know um mono green is actually pretty weak to blue white because then they have all these seal aways and then the enchantment removal and then they're just mass sweepers like if you yeah. expect those decks then i probably won't sleep up mono green yeah yeah i for me, I want to make sure that I can attack the Turbo Fog decks and I want to make sure I can apply a little bit of pressure. So I'm still testing the Storm decks because if it's not really heavily control blue-white, um, I feel okay with Storm against blue-black, against mid-range, like slower red-blacks and snakes and against Turbo Fog or also testing the blue-black deck itself because both those uh, decks have cards that will beat the Fogs themselves in the form of Scare God's upkeep effects and then the Age of Flux Reservoir. So I just want to make sure I have an option to beat uh, Fog. And then I have to decide on how much blue-white's around, whether I I go Storm or Mm blue-black. Okay. So I got a chance to watch a pretty interesting match in uh, GP Brussels today. There wasn't coverage of Orlando, unfortunately, so I had to watch, you know, Brussels. But there's there's some good matches to be had. There was a mono-red aggro player uh, playing against Turbo Fog, and this Turbo Fog guy had just the absolute nuts. Like it was game three, he thought he was in the finals. He was just gonna fog, and then I think he was sitting at like fifteen life. Then the guy he lightning strikes end of turn, and then casts insult to injury. Yeah, and insult it's game. He dealt a lot of hype. He dealt fifteen to him. Insult to injury is insane against the Turbo. Oh, he had he had thirteen damage on board, and then he followed it up with a shock. So yeah, it was it was insane. And yeah. So insult to injury is a problem for these turbo fog decks. So I'm thinking, as you said, Matt, mono green is really struggling against turbo fog. But if red is starting to hate out turbo fog, then yeah, green's actually pretty strong against the red yeah. deck because you're just as quick and your guys are bigger. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are going to be looking at these results and like, oh, actually, I guess green sucks. But I don't think it does actually. No, yeah. it's it's like, still a good deck. I mean, yeah, I this- think. This format's diverse enough to where the format's actually going to change a fairly decent amount every yeah. two weeks. Like you're going to see a fairly big shift in what results are showing up. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. We got lots of uh, interesting ducks to run. I guess right now I'm between different variations of red, and I guess I could also see myself playing Esper just because it's really good. But I don't know. It's going to depend on some factors. We need to get to testing and using this form. It's yes, going to be great. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, so we didn't talk much about modern this week, but uh, we did have a round of PPTQs again this past week, uh, we, this past weekend, and a friend of ours, Drew Euphrati, took down an event at Common Ground Games on humans. Congratulations to him. Um, we'll need to get a better tournament report on him to find out like what he played against and stuff. But this weekend, there's going to be a Star City Games team open in Dallas, and uh, both Sean and Matt, you guys are going to be playing in it. Yep. And unfortunately, I won't be able to attend. My brother's getting married on Thursday. So I'm going to be in Colorado for a destination wedding. Too bad. 
I know, but oh. hey, I'm going to try to be back and I'm going to play the classic on Sunday. Yeah. So I'm going to try out like uh, one of these standard X for testing. So yeah, that'll be that'll be useful. So uh, thoughts going into the the team open? How's testing going for that? Um, testing, I haven't been testing a whole lot, but testing's been okay. Um, I'm on the legacy seat, so um, the format is fairly different than the last time I played legacy. Last time the team open was in town, um, day one I went eight and one with sneak and show. Uh, this year, this week I'm probably gonna play one of the more fair decks that stops broken things. Um, but I don't know. I'm pretty excited. I enjoy playing legacy. Normally the legacy players are the most jovial of the, of the opposing team. Cause a lot of times it's people who play legacy and never get to play legacy and nobody cares about them when they talk about legacy. Cause they're like, <laughs> well, I can't afford it. So you can just shut up. I don't care. Um, and so you get to sit down against these legacy players and they're like, look at what I got. And I'm like, yeah, I'm borrowing these cards, but that's fine. I'm happy for you. Um, so I don't know. I'm excited. I've, I've got a decent record in legacy. I've played about three or four legacy events and I've always done fairly well. So I'm excited about it. And say I am on the uh, standard portion of our team because I don't know a thing about legacy. Me neither. It's okay. <laughs> I can't afford those cards. No, but I guess you can't either. Sean, you're just borrowing them. Yeah, I can what, afford. I can afford all the cheap, standard, and modern versions. Yeah. But then, like the the dual lands, I'm like, hey, friends, who's got these uh, dual lands? Let's see. I, I just look at deck lists. I'm like, all right, if I if I wanted to get into legacy, what would I play? And then I look, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna need underground seas. Yeah, I have oh, most. Of, I have most of death and taxes, but I just. Uh, I just, I mean, there's also not a lot of legacy events. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not legacy isn't, doesn't matter often enough that if I'm going to go play an event, I don't really want to go play legacy because I'd much rather yeah. play a format that's going to advance my testing information for a format yeah. I care about. There's very few events out there that if you do well in it, it'll actually give you a chance to make the pro tour. Right. Yeah. So, so like, if we do like, well in this one, we can make the invitational, which is the star city games version of the pro tour. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, legacy is not one of those formats that, as cool as I think it is, I think it's more fun and more balanced than than modern because I think they have better answers for the broken stuff. Where modern is just super linear, um, it just it doesn't matter often enough, so I don't get to play it very often. Right. But I do enjoy the format. I think the format's awesome. And the team the team events are not really my favorite, but they are an interesting aspect to the game. They they're pretty frustrating at times, but at the same time. They're pretty cool when you can pull out a win, you know, mm -hmm. two out of three makes it feel even better because you overconquered like even more variants because there is a lot a higher degree of variance in these events. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to like learn how to communicate cryptically and not give away what your hand is. And you have to learn how to like be OK with a teammate making a decision you don't agree with. <laughs> so yeah. like, like that happened to me in GP San Antonio. I went down some friends and we played and I was like trying to explain this line of play and they like just kind of ignored it and made this other play and lost the game. And I got. I got fired. I got so fired up. I was like, yeah. it was round one. I was like, guys, if we aren't going to communicate, why are we here? Like, what are we doing? I got super frustrated. Mostly just because I was like, my line of play keeps us alive. Your line of play guarantees we lose the next turn. It definitely does test the limits um, uh, of patience, your frustration yeah. and patience. Like, you can't have see it as what you do. It's your yeah. team. Yeah, in hindsight, and hindsight, that was one of my first major team events besides limited ones. And so now that I've gotten a few under my belt, I take it a little bit less seriously. Which stinks because I'm putting money down and I'm like, oh, I'm not expecting for anybody to do amazingly because the results are always very favored in the the higher quality player teams. But um, it's still, it's enjoyable. I I'm, I don't love them as major events, especially how often we've been getting them lately because I'd much rather be able to blame myself for not getting there. Right. Um, but yeah. it's where we're at. The pressure of letting down your teammates is definitely real. I've That's that's something yeah. I think everyone feels what's, going into it. Well, what's more frustrating so. is the teammates who don't really care. Well, <laughs> really? So like, yeah. oh, well, Sometimes oh, well, teammates will let you down too. Yeah, well, so teammates will let you down, they don't mind. For, yeah. You know, back to the whole it favors the you know the stronger player. Our, our, my first team event was also in San Antonio. We sat down against uh, 
uh, Martin Yuza, Yo Larson, and I think Nakamura. I can't remember his first name, but that's three. Hall, yeah, Shuya Nakamura. That's three mm-hmm. Hall of Famers sitting down across from us, and we're just like, oh god, because yeah. <laughs> you know? the buys don't come into play, <laughs> and like percentages favor the the stronger teams. Now in SCG, yeah. like you don't only really get the pro teams. But you have the SCG grinding teams and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're fun. I like them. I would love to play a team event like once a year. But the fact that we're getting them fairly often, I'm, I'm ready for that to kind of phase out now that 25 is over. Yeah. Everyone, be sure and uh, let us know if you're testing out this spreadsheet that we went over. Really hope everyone does well at the RPTQ. So, I just want to... I always feel a little bit of pressure going into an RPTQ. So, I, if, if when I go to an RPTQ and if I end up doing bad, I, I want it to be have nothing to do with my preparation. I, I want to go and give it all I got. If I do bad and I, you know, put tons of effort into testing, you know, that it happens. If, if, uh, I feel like I could have done more, that's where I, I feel like I really let myself down. So, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like, uh, keeping each other accountable with testing and sharing your results with each other. I, I feel like that's a, a good tool to use. So, definitely. Uh, tweet us. Our Twitter handle is at Cued Podcasts. Sean is at Busted Sleeves. Matt is at Demotruck Matthew. Feel free to tweet tweet us at any time. We're a pretty small niche community right now, so if you tweet us, we will respond. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, well, good luck to everyone at their PPTQs this weekend and Star City Games opens and and your continuing uh, prep for the RPQ and LCQ. We'll see you guys next week. the place of persistence. Persistence and determination alone are all powerful. Show that you don't have to be defeated by